Welcome to Spring of Life. My name is Mike Luzinski, and I serve as the lead pastor here. I'm so glad you're taking the time to grow in your faith through scripture, preaching, and the conversations on our podcast. If you're serious about doing something, you need a strategy. Spring of Life has a strategy for helping you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Worship through daily devotion and Sunday gathering, connect through deep relationships and small groups, and serve within and beyond the church. I hope you'll join us as we dig deeper into our strategy for growing as disciples. Acts 11, 19 to 24. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in my household, we've spent many nights playing board games. I'm curious, how many of you like board games? Raise your hand. Okay, there's a number of you. And as we begin today, I want to I wanna see which one is the favorite of these four. These are four of the top board games in the Luzinski household. This is by no means a comprehensive poll, but I wanna go through and see where we are in each of these games of strategy. So you only have one vote. You can't vote four times for all of them, even though I know some of you probably love all four games. So raise your hand if your favorite strategy game is Monopoly. Oh, wow, okay, okay, that's, that's in the lead. All right, raise your hand if your favorite game is Risk. Okay, some of you like to take over the world. I love it. Great. What about Settlers of Catan? This is my personal favorite. Okay, a few. And chess. Okay, all right. So we got a pretty good mix, but Monopoly wins by a good margin. Uh, Monopoly is the, the most favorite. Each of these games requires some strategy. If you play Monopoly and try and buy the property of every single one you land on, you're probably not going to win. <laughs> You'll run out of money pretty fast. You need to have a strategy of which ones to buy and which ones not to buy. And it's the same is true for all of those. You could use any example of each of those games. Uh, you need a strategy if you're going to have a chance to win. And strategy is important because if we're serious about something, we'll think We'll think strategically. We'll work towards accomplishing that goal. And so I see all of our children have joined us. I know I'm using a big word. Uh, 
Can any of you raise your hand and tell me what does the word strategy mean? Do any of you know what the word strategy means? I see your hand. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, so strategy means to have a plan. And she even used the example, you could have a plan A and you could have a plan B. And sometimes you got to know when to switch between them. And raise your hand if you can tell me, what do those plans do? Did they help us? Yeah, what do those plans do? Yeah. Yeah, they help you with the game. They help you accomplish something to get the goal. Okay, and I know I just showed a picture of some of my favorite strategy games. Can you raise your hand and tell me one of your favorite strategy games? Or maybe you, you all like Monopoly too. Monopoly is a great game. Yeah, what's your favorite strategy game? Chess. Chess. Nice. Who else has a favorite has a favorite game? Yes. Clue. That's a good one. Yeah. Checkers. Okay, that's good. Yeah, trust the system. Any other examples? Yes. You said chess? Okay, yes. Love letter. I'll have to learn more about that game. That sounds, that sounds fun. Yeah. Okay, any other, any other games? Yeah. Say that again. Taco Cat Eats Cheese Pizza? No? Okay, Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza? That's another game I'll need to learn more about it. But it sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Yeah. So the reason why we talked about that was to emphasize the importance of strategy. And you can see the image. Oh, one more. Did you have one you wanted to share? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. You say that a little louder? A puzzle. Nice. That's a good strategy game. You have to figure out how the puzzle pieces fit together. Yeah. And so having a strategy is important if you're serious about accomplishing your goal. And I'll share, you might remember last year, we had a group of leaders from our church who spent a good amount of time Uh, meeting over the course of the year about once a month to help our church come up with a plan and a vision. And part of that process came up with a strategy of how we accomplish our mission of embracing all to become vessels of God's overflowing grace. And so I want to show you the strategy at Spring of Life. The first component of our strategy is worship. It's a three-part strategy, worship. And we define worship as daily devotion and weekly gathering. That's what we mean when we say worship. Uh, And that devotion is to God. We'll talk more about that later. The second component of our strategy is connect. And that can be summarized through deep relationships and small groups. We want every person to have deep relationships and opportunities to connect in small groups. And then the third part of our strategy is serving outward. So it's not just something that we do only for ourselves, but we serve outward within and beyond the church community. And so that is our strategy. If someone were to come up to me and say, Mike, I just met Jesus for the first time yesterday. What do I do to follow Jesus? I would say, well, start with this. 
Start with worship, connect, and serve, and this will lead you forward on your journey. All of this is important because we want to be the church. We want to be a church that, that is fruitful and alive and full of the Holy Spirit, like we talk about each week when we light the candle, and we want people to see that fruit of Christ in our lives. So I want to connect this to our scripture for today. The church in Antioch was a new thing. It was just being planted, and it was in one of the biggest cities in the world. You know, for, for us as, as modern Western people, think of Antioch as a, as a London or a New York City, one of the biggest, most powerful, influential cities in the world. And the church, the church and the people gathered there, they were dispersed after a faithful Christian named Stephen was killed. He died on behalf of his faith, and after that happened, the Christians scattered, and some of the Christians went to Antioch, and they started doing something that was really remarkable. In verse 20, it says, some of the believers went, who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. Now, if you're not tuned in, it would be really easy to read this verse in the Bible and just keep on going. But I want to pause here for a moment and say, God did something dramatic and powerful here. Up to this point in the history of the church, they had only preached to insiders. They had only preached to the Jews. And this was the point where they began to expand who they were celebrating and sharing the good news of Jesus with. They were so excited about what God was doing that they couldn't help but share it with anyone who would listen. And God used that in a powerful way. Verse 21 says, The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. The fruit of the ministry was the people. People who were eager to join and to get engaged with what God was doing. People who were showing the signs of life with Jesus and living in a new and powerful way. The community was growing, and the news was spreading. In verse 22, the, the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. I can only imagine the people in the church in Jerusalem, some of them were really excited. Look what God's doing. It's amazing. And some of them, well, some of them probably were less excited. They were saying, they're preaching to who? They let those kind of people join our church? Oh, no. But the church in Jerusalem even though they had that tension, eventually they respond in a helpful and positive way. Even though there was some disagreement about what was happening in the church in Antioch. The church in Jerusalem sent a guy named Barnabas to Antioch. First to kind of check out and see what's really going on. To learn more about what the people are doing in this community. But later to teach and equip and support the new ministry and initiatives that was happening in this new community. You know, you think about it, the church sent Barnabas, one of their most gifted leaders. They sent him out to help multiply what God was doing. It's an incredible gift that the church in Jerusalem 
gave to the church in Antioch. The scripture goes on to describe Barnabas a little bit more. He's famous for encouragement. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas was happy to see the fruit of the ministry at the church in Antioch. Barnabas was, was wise and, and teaching them, and it was evident that the fruitfulness of the community was only from God. And as Barnabas stayed, more people came to know Jesus. But something that the scripture doesn't tell us, it doesn't tell us why they describe Barnabas in such a way. Why was Barnabas a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith? It's something, well, we don't know for sure, but I can't help but think it might have something to do with his daily devotion and communal gatherings. Barnabas was someone who was completely committed to following Jesus, and he did it every day, and he did it with whoever he could, and he gathered people around in a really, really remarkable way. Barnabas knew the scriptures. Barnabas was willing to take risks on behalf of the gospel. Barnabas went when given the opportunity to leave Jerusalem, which, you know, leaving your, where you're living is a big ask. And he was willing to do that on behalf of the gospel. And so, as we think about what this looks like for us, my challenge to each of us is that we'd worship this way too. Worship the way that Barnabas worshiped. Worship the way that so many faithful followers of Jesus throughout history have done. Daily devotion and Sunday gathering. So that first part, daily devotion. What does that mean, Pastor Mike? What does that look like? Well, I want to give you some resources. And if you're, if you're watching the live stream, I hope that you can get those in the comment section, or if you're here in worship, you can pull it up in the comment section on any one of our church live streams for some resources on how we do daily devotion well. If you like a plan and structure, there are reading plans through the Bible Project. Some of them are pretty short. Some of them are the whole Bible in a year. I would encourage you to read those each day. I often like to do it in the morning. Or maybe you prefer something more like a a guided prayer with some scripture sprinkled in. There's an app I like to use called Pray As You Go. It's British, and they have British accents, but it's scripture, some music. They ask you some questions about the scripture, and then they share the scripture again. And it's, the whole thing takes about 10 minutes. Or if you want to join our church Facebook page, every Tuesday and Thursday morning, we have a Facebook Live prayer time. It's the similar format of scripture and prayer and sharing prayer requests together. Maybe you start real small with read one chapter of scripture, and then if you're like me, you can set a timer on your phone for as short as one minute and use that time to sit and be with God. And maybe you'll have days where you feel really connected to God, and maybe you'll have days where you're distracted and you're already thinking about the thing that's coming up that's stressing you out, and you can offer that up to God as well. That's part of prayer too. 
I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that we have to pray a certain way or that, that God has these expectations. God's expectation is for relationship. And when we devote ourselves daily to that relationship, God shows up in powerful ways. Now let's talk about this second part, a weekly gathering. You know, if you are in a community of other Christians, there's something about gathering together that gives us the opportunity to celebrate the ways the Holy Spirit is moving, to care for each other, to learn, to listen, to develop relationships. All of this is a part of what we mean when we say weekly gathering. And all of these are pieces of how we grow and how we live out this call to truly worship God. Sometimes our, our view of worship is flat. It's not just singing. That is a form of worship, but there's so much more beyond singing. And then I also want to make this important caveat. Sometimes we think of these types of ideas of, oh, this is how I worship God, and the solution is just to try harder. And so if you, if you leave here today thinking, oh, I just have to try harder, you've missed at least half the point, maybe more. We remember that we're able to worship because of grace. And my, my image, the metaphor for what this looks like is training. Are there any folks in the church who've run a marathon? I won't put you, okay, I see, I see a couple. Uh, so if you've run a marathon, then you know that it takes a lot of work to build up to that. If I was to try, I'll use myself for an example. If I was to try to run a marathon today, I think I would really hurt myself quite badly. And even if I really tried, no matter how hard I tried, my body is not adapted, it's not trained to run 26.2 miles. But yet, there are many people out there who have started training themselves a mile at a time, five miles, 10 miles, so that they can try very hard. Remember, trying's a part of it, but they're able to run a marathon. I think about the spiritual growth that we're talking about today through that lens of training for a marathon. It's not just about our willpower to try really hard to do something or not do something, but it's also about training our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our hands, that over time we're building up our muscles so that we can do what God has called us to do. So we're training. Today's message is about spiritual training so that we can do the marathon that God is calling us to do, metaphorically, <laughs> and live into that call that God has placed on our lives. That's what it means to worship through daily devotion and weekly gathering. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for inviting us into patterns that give life. Give us the grace we need to be devoted to you each day and to gather together to allow your Holy Spirit to pour into us in new and fresh ways. 
We ask all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have questions or want to talk further about this message, I'd love the chance to talk with you. Visit us online at springchurch.org connect or email me at pastormike at springchurch.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.